have that fucking conversation. Mm. I don't care how you start it. You can use me. Hey, I heard a guy on a podcast and all he wants to do is talk about death. Start the conversation some way with the people who matter, whether it's grandparents or parents or siblings or partners, loved ones, friends, whatever. You can't talk about this too much. You can't. You will learn more about that person and what they want for their life and their death. Things become a lot clearer the more this becomes a topic that you're comfortable with. That's the secret. Welcome to the Death Science Podcast, where we explore new perspectives on life, death, dying, and the dead. You can find the audio on all major podcast platforms by searching for the show title, Death Science Podcast. Learn more about the show at deathscience.org. Welcome to episode number 12. Today's guest is Derek McCormick. He's an author, blogger, podcaster, and fitness trainer. We talk about his experiences and writings about death, how we can utilize death awareness to live a more fulfilling life. We also call out our culture for denying and suppressing death as part of life, and we talk about so much more. We're also joined by co-host Joshua Siemens. Learn more about him by visiting his YouTube at www.tinyurl.com slash wearegodyoutube. But before we get started, I want to talk about catacombculture.com. This is where I sell my sculptures. My sculptures being functional home decor that I make out of hyper-realistic human bones. From human bone lamps to food-safe skull bowls, I make a lot of Memento Mori-friendly pieces that serve as reminders that our lifespans are limited, so let's make the best out of the time that we have left. You can explore my bone gallery at www.catacombculture.com. Also, restinggrounds.org will guide you in exploring alternative post-life care for your deceased body. Your deceased body has the potential to literally save lives, advance multiple fields of science, and so much more. Learn more at restinggrounds.org. Now let's meet Derek and explore new perspectives on life, death, dying, and the dead. On today's show, we are here with Derek McCormick, a.k.a. Grimm. He is a professional fitness trainer, and he also, after a death of a loved one, he wrote a book called Tea Time with the Reaper. And because of that, he started getting all this outreach, and so he developed a podcast, Tea Time with the Reaper. Instagram, find him at Tea Time with the Reaper. And so we're here to talk about death and his experiences. Welcome to the show, Derek. How's it going? Uh, not too bad, gentlemen. I appreciate the uh, the chance to, to chat with you guys about this. It's a topic that most people, as we know, shy away from. Right, right. Yep. Yeah, well, thanks thanks for showing up and coming on. So tell us tell us about this book that you wrote. Well, I guess to, to begin with, the book itself chronicles the nine years and four months that Angela, my wife, and I spent together. Uh, we met on August 22nd in 2008. Uh, we're together incredibly happy for many, many years. Uh, and then she died on December 22nd, 2017. Mm. Now, her death is, is something that has proven to become a huge catalyst uh, in what I am doing now. As you mentioned, I've been in the fitness space for quite a long time, but 
after her death that didn't feel important anymore. I have chosen to try to immerse myself into being a death advocate mm. as much as I can. And so after she died, um, there was a lot of people wanting to know some details of our relationship, how she got sick, her death, how I was trying to navigate life after her. So instead of repeating myself a million times, I thought, you know what? I need to put this on paper. So wrote the book, published it through, uh, through Amazon. And as it started to make its way out into the world, people I did not know were coming across it. Uh, they were reading it and then feeling compelled to share their stories of death with me. And it's not that I'm, I would consider myself an expert or anything like that, but I think because they saw me throw it all out there in a very raw way, mm-hmm. They felt comfortable in sharing those intimate details of their loved ones with me. Yeah, that's beautiful. So, you know, that keeps happening. And it's happening from people in the U.S., from Canada, the Netherlands, Australia, you know, all over wow. the world. Yeah. And every single time someone shared something with me, I felt honored because that's, that's craziness. That's just amazing that they, they were able to share it. But also, I felt compelled to to try to become a caretaker for those stories somehow. To not necessarily use, but to share those stories, kind of like Angela's, so that people might be able to glean some lessons from that person's life, but also their death. So one night, I was having dinner with a friend and, and former co-worker of Angela's, and he suggested to do a podcast. Now, initially, I was very hesitant because... I'm not one who wants to be around a lot of people or even be in public most of the time. So that would kind of really put me in a spot I never thought I would be. But then I reminded myself, this isn't about me anymore. Mm -hmm. This is about Angela's legacy, about everyone else's legacy. So over a handful of months, we put together the podcast, sat down with a number of people to listen to their stories, you know, whether it be suicide, the death of a child, unexpected deaths, or heart attacks, uh, you know, vehicular accidents, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. The podcast got out there and people were listening and then again, reaching out and sharing more stories and connecting with other people who've kind of been in a similar situation for some kinship and some comfort knowing that they're not alone in this. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in my experience, like some of the most painful events in my life have been have turned into the most powerful motivators. Um, that's the case for a lot of people I know. Um, and and going back to what you said about, you know, it no longer being about you. Um, like that's that's the whole essence of death. I mean, death is really at its core, just the um, the dissolution of this personality and body and life that we've built and then when we die this body this story just it it ends but at the same time it doesn't because the impact that we made on the external world continues to ripple out and so really in a in a sense like she is still living through you like her essence her spirit is still living through you it's it's made such a profound impact on you and that that is just so clear to see and 
I mean, just hearing you talk about this and the the global outreach that you've inspired to Mm -hmm. to talk about this taboo yet so important topic. I mean, it's it's powerful medicine. And, you know, I just want to say thank you for for having the courage and the the strength to to transform all that pain. Like I've I've had a lot of experiences losing loved ones, losing friends. Um, One of my best friends growing up, he hung himself in um, a fort that we played in as kids and my friends found him. So so, you know, we we all relate to death in our own ways. and, you know, I have more death experiences that I, I don't really want to share right now. But needless to say, um, y- you know, I, I do, I know the, the aura and feeling of death very well. It's, I'm no stranger to that. And it, it's, it's a very painful and alien experience to, to anyone experiencing it for the first time on this side of life yeah. as a human being who, who, who sees everything as like, I'm Joshua, you're Jeremy, hmm. and, yeah. and, you know, and social identities yeah. and yeah, just physical identities. Well, so and one of the interesting things there is that it is a taboo subject. And I think because it is, and there's lots of reasons why it is, but I think because it is, is part of where, or part of the reason why most people have such a hard time trying to get a grasp of it. Right. Like mm-hmm. if you think about it, there's that is the only common denominator that we all share. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, That's there's true. the old saying of there, you know, there's two guarantees in life, death and taxes. But <laughs> we all know there's people who don't pay tax. So that yeah. Optional. It's true. So but yeah. death is yeah. it. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest challenges with it, because we at present do have very little control over it and don't know necessarily when it's going to happen that lack of control makes people freak out it gets them scared it gets them fearful of regrets and not actually living versus Mm. accepting it owning it and using it as motivation to in fact live a more enjoyable life right yeah, that's the conclusion I came to. Um, and hearing you, hearing your podcast, um, that the her mantra, uh, I want what I want when I want it, you know, <laughs> that mantra, um, that's something that I kind of live by too. Um, and I found it's really important, you know, like you said, once you experience like the full grip of death and the once you fully realize our true the the true impermanence of everything that we're in right now literally everything um once you realize that you know you could react a couple different ways but the way i'm reacting and it it sounds like you just said it before is to use it as a motivator to to live a better life live life to the fullest don't don't get stuck in something you don't want to do or if you if you have to do something you're not necessarily thrilled about at least you know, make time for something that you're you're passionate about, um, and that's one of the most powerful um, cores of my being. Really, uh, that's at the center of what I try to do every day. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and that's even what I try and do through like my my bone sculptures. It's just these little pieces, whether it's a lamp, whether it's a bowl, it's just something. But they're just reminders, you know. Maybe on a right. subconscious level or like a, you know, a, an actual level. It's just reminders that yes, we will. We are all bone. We will all all die one day. Just the classic memento mori. Remember that you must die. Right. As a a physical being. Yeah, the Greek philosophers and doctors, they used to keep a skull on their uh, desk or yeah. their, their workstation or their living quarters as a constant reminder, like, this is what's inside my head. This is this is what's <laughs> holding the form for this brain to circulate electrical currents and, you know, communicate with this body and use this body to do whatever I want mm -hmm. it to do. But really, at the core of it, our spirits are just embodying are, are just using this vessel temporarily and when it's no longer suitable then you know off we go yeah 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 and it's it's interesting that those let's say ancient or older uh, societies had this figured out mm. they, they understood the the fact that this was not going to last forever right we will at some point die and i think what's happened over the last uh, let's say couple hundred maybe thousand or so odd years is that we have shifted too far away from that life for many has become so easy as far as imminent danger or imminent death that we have lost touch with that and now we you know we're we're ignoring the boogeyman instead of using the boogeyman for its intended purpose mm -hmm. right well right. said yeah what kind of taboos have you experienced as far as like the general uh, public and accepting death stuff like that wow um well it, it what i found most interesting uh over the last you know say the last couple of years uh when angela was sick and after she died is the language that people use to describe parts or aspects of the topic uh, as noted in the in the book, and I mentioned it in the podcast with people, is that when you say or someone says they passed away, I take offense to that. In that, passing something means you can circle the block and find it again. Yeah. Oh, you lost a loved one. No, you lose car keys, and you <laughs> might find them again. They fucking died. Yeah. They're gone they're taken they're not coming back but again this goes back to how our current society has chosen to navigate this topic they they pacify it they water it down they turn it into a greeting card instead of being straight up and honest about it you know, for example one of the things as far as taboo goes when people ask what happened to Angela yeah I, I give them an option most of the time of whether or not they want the PC answer or if they want my truth. And if they ask for my truth, as I tell them that I killed them. Because I was the one taking care of her. I was uh, the one who was medicating her. Mm -hmm. And it was the medication that stopped her life. It mm. was not cancer. Now, you can try and chicken and egg that of, well, she wouldn't have been on the medication had she not had cancer. But that doesn't help what goes in my head. I'm the one who was there. I was the one medicating her. So you tell someone, yeah, I killed my wife, <laughs> you're going to see people squirm. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. But that is a possibility that everyone may need to face. You know, I would, I would love it for everybody to find a partner and you know live a fruitful life and die in their sleep arm in arm. <laughs> Sounds great. Fairy tale, Disney story, yeah. But that shit ain't gonna work or happen for everybody. Right. So there needs to be an understanding that it is highly possible that that person who matters to you, that yesterday was the last time you're going to see them. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't have that mindset, now I wouldn't recommend people thinking about it as much as maybe I do or you guys do, but most people don't think about it at all. Right, yeah. And then when someone does die, they're at a loss. And whether it's uh, fitness, as we talked about earlier, or learning to drive a car, or preparing a meal. It's about repetition. It's about exposure and understanding the process. Mm -hmm. And you can't get any better at, at managing and mitigating the impact of someone's death if you keep your head in the past the whole time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I've, um, after losing uh, several loved ones I, each time I, I kind of grew more comfortable with it and uh, most recently my grandmother uh, passed away um, I believe one year ago if I'm remembering correctly and a very similar circumstance she she had a tumor and you know eventually she wound up in the hospital very very ill on high dose morphine opiates painkillers and you know my father was the one basically caring for her and and his siblings um but like you said it was it wasn't the cancer that killed her it was actually the morphine because it causes the respiratory depression and central nervous system depression um yep. so like her her last breath from what i heard i wasn't there but it was like gargling because i mean the, the fluid just fills your mm -hmm. lungs and and you can't circulate the oxygen anymore and the body is you know it it's time to go so your spirit just goes it's it's like a slow drowning yeah that's what i've heard and when, and when you speak of, of taboo this leads into especially in those cases where it's some type of illness where heavy medications and procedures and all those things come into effect why is it that our society is so against people determining their own outcome right that is why are people so against the concept of dignity or euthanasia or suicide? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't get it. Like when I look at my dog, I look at Augie. I think if he ever gets to the point where he is suffering, taking him to the vet after a trip to the beach and some ice cream and a good day, and then we'll put him down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is far more compassionate and loving, as far as I'm concerned. Everybody can judge that on their own, than putting a bunch of tubes in them and hooking up mm. machines and, and slowly watching plot away. Mm -hmm. right, who, right. Who wants that, really? Yeah, it, it goes back to, um, you know, it's not the length of your life, it's the quality of your life. And at that point, um, I've thought the same thing many times. Um, you know, contemplating suicide, contemplating death, and I think um, it would be beneficial for modern society to like fully come to terms with death 
and you know people have a right to live like they have freedoms in America well there there should be like a legitimate freedom to die peacefully and there should be some sort of um, science behind it where scientists determine okay this is the most peaceful painless way you know here this is and anyone could design their death according like according to whatever they want they could design their passing they could you know go um, for a journey to a place they they've always wanted to go before and say everything they've always wanted to say and just plan for that instead of like prolonging something and just trying to like sugarcoat it and just prolong it but I think a lot of it goes back to the medical system wanting to just keep a patient (laughs) there and just make money from oh you were in the hospital for this many days and you know you there there definitely is a huge capitalistic and greed component to this but we can't necessarily put all the onus on that because one we as society allow that to happen true we allow them to do what they do because for most people they're afraid to even talk about the concept of their own mortality Mm-hmm. They just don't right. want to do it. Now, if we if we circled back to the mental health component of, say, those who wish to commit suicide, let's say they're not terminal. Terminal, most people would be on board with. But let's say someone was not terminal. They were just finished with it all. A lot of people are like, oh, no, don't do that. You can't think that. You need help, blah, 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 blah. Cool. But if we said, look, you have an option to die if you wish, regardless of your reason or motivation, but you need to go through steps one, two, and three. Right. We we would free up people to talk about what's pushing them or motivating them in that direction. You right. would actually see, in my opinion, a decrease in those people committing suicide because they would actually be comfortable enough to talk about it and get help that may, in fact, change their perspective and change their mind. Absolutely. But everybody's too fucking scared to talk about dying. I, I've heard stories of, of grandmothers who, when the concept is brought up in a family discussion, they feel like they're being cursed by their family. You're wishing me to die. <sighs> like, let's let's be realistic about it. You're not getting out of this alive. There's no sequel. <laughs> right, right. I'm sorry. You have to accept the reality of it. But yeah. then people start wondering about, well, maybe I should have done this or should have done that. It's a, it's a complicated issue that there's no perfect way to start, but you have to start. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one one thing I, I wanted to say about, like, suicide and the way society handles that now, um, in some ancient cultures, suicide was regarded as, like, a very high honor um, to, to be able to take your own life consciously and be at peace with dying. I mean, some cultures actually regard it as very high honor, um, here we regard it as like the lowest thing. Oh, y- there's like the whole stigma of cowardice and like all that stuff, guilt. And um, I really understand both sides of it. But where I'm at is um, having been through all that, the mental health system, you know, um, having depression, like severe depressive episodes um, and the way they handle that is basically now if you if you say that you have an intent to harm yourself or you're even contemplating it they'll give you two options either one 
you go to a mental health facility inpatient stay willingly and you sign yourself in mm. or they will take you there forcibly and that will <laughs> that will remove your right to join the army to to oh. uh, it removes your right to a lot of things yeah. and just for simply saying i'm contemplating like suicide or death mm-hmm. which is something very natural i feel like a lot of people contemplate it but they're not coming out of the closet for that reason Mm. um but i think a much better approach is kind of what you said derek which is basically like you have the right to instead of saying instead of automatically saying no you're not allowed to do that well you don't know what that person's going through you don't know like how bad it is i mean they might like if you were in their shoes you might want to do the same thing so um i think the much better approach is like you said perfectly is is open the doorway for communication say okay we understand the resources are here if you need help this is this is open to you but if you still choose to to leave that is that is your choice and it's okay i mean no one can tell you that it's not um yeah i i think that's uh the the proper approach i would like to see uh, really yeah and it's and that's just one facet one uh category so many things that falls under the umbrella of death. Right? And, yeah. and in conversations I've had with both uh, people who've kind of been through the wood chipper, who've experienced someone who mattered to them being taken, and even those who haven't, I suggest that they start using death as their North Star, as their right. primary uh, point of reference to decisions they make in their life. Yeah. You know, you have X amount of time in your day. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to sit and binge watch something, which <laughs> I've done. Right, right. I've been there. Yeah. Or do you want to take a minute or two and go through your contacts and say, you know what? I haven't talked to mm. Bob in a while. Let me just send him an emoji. Let me just tell him, hey, man, thinking about you, hope well. Hope all is well. You know, no one thinks that way because they think Bob's always going to be there. Yep. Yep. Just like they think Kobe was always <laughs> going to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in Los Angeles, which is where I where I live, the city stopped. Oh, like, yeah. Stopped. The it's that news spread so fast, and so many people were impacted by it. But nobody's talking about it anymore. So I'm curious as to how many people who say they were impacted have made a change in their life to appreciate the time they have now Yeah. Mm-hmm. instead of focusing on before or focusing on maybe tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely live in this culture where it's like it, it's more acceptable to almost deny death and expect immortality, you yeah. know? And so we kind of suppress all these these fears and it results in like almost like a death anxiety which like plagues us. Mm-hmm for our entire life and then it affects our decisions and our abilities to to live a more fulfilling life yeah so you said LA, everything in LA just stopped when Colby died yeah there was uh, that Sunday I uh, I was actually chatting with a guy I know former Olympic uh, boxer who has a couple gyms here in town and I had kind of asked him whether or not he's had any real legit sit-down conversations with his wife about life and death. They have multiple kids, you know, Mm. he's Mm. in a situation where there's obligations in a lot of different directions. 
and they sort of kind of have, but you know, not to the, the the level that they need to, in my opinion. And I said, you never know. Right, right. Never know who's going to die. And minutes later, the news broke. And I sent him a text. I'm like, what were we just talking about? <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it sucks. There's he, there are people who I've spoken to who felt more connected and impacted by Kobe's death than people they actually know on a day-to-day basis. Which, that makes sense. I get it. But what are you going to do about it? Yeah. How are you going to honor Kobe and everything that he meant to you now that he's gone? Right. It, it, talking about the talk, talking about's good, but what are you going to change? Mm-hmm. Knowing yeah. that you could go the same way or at the same speed, because not everybody's going to be flying around in a private helicopter. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and that says a, a lot for our celebrity culture here in the United States, like how people can relate more to a celebrity that they don't actually know. You know, like they they know that the headlines on the news, they see them playing some games and stuff. But it's like you don't know that individual and yet you feel emotionally connected to him more so than the people around you in your life. It seems it seems odd. But, you know, when thinking about that, I don't see a significant difference between that scenario and the scenario of people feeling connected to some DT or or God as it were. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yep. yep. You know what? At the end of the day, what's really the difference? Yeah. Yeah, it's about that embodiment. You know, almost like oh, like you're you're lacking, say, those sports skills that you admire, and so you embody part of yourself into this godlike figure. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So really, it's you know what? Where are you choosing? to find your motivation what are you choosing to worship for lack of a better word Mm. Um, are you worshiping money and that's the only thing that matters are you worshiping a god i'm not gonna say the god because there's plenty of people who say no it's allah it's buddha it's jesus christ it's whatever or are you idolizing someone who performs whether it's music or some type of acting or theater or sports. You know, this I, I, I don't want to judge somebody for who they hang their hat on. Just understand why and what are you how is that mm. make your existence better for yourself and those who matter to you. Right. Right. So you mentioned that you're a death advocate. So what does that, that mean is kind to of the, you? The, the term that I've I've put together to help illustrate what I'm trying to accomplish yeah. in the in the big picture I want people to talk about it more hmm. there's lots of avenues those those conversations can go as our conversation has gone you healthcare mental health hmm. uh, just our existence as a whole uh, I want people to talk about it more they need to talk about it more and hopefully get to a point where they realize that they're gonna die mm-hmm and own it and use it. Yeah, exactly. And especially like, you know, planning for life uh, of those around you after you pass is 
so important and it's so overlooked and it's like like we said before how grandmothers they they're all hush hush about it you know yeah. they don't want to talk about it yeah. you know family members don't want to talk about it and th that's understandable but it's like it's again it, it's death denial at, at, at that point it's yeah I, I just want to add something you mentioned like grandmothers denying it um my my grandmother who passed away she was very much in denial she wanted to always have a smile on her face always just enjoy life as much as possible and just focus on like the present moment and not think about dying even like even when she was in the hospital it was something that was like always pushed to the side um and i wanted to respect her attitude towards it because it, it, in a sense like you don't want to approach someone who's like laying in a hospital bed and just blatantly make it uncomfortable yeah so we just it was like a mutual understanding that okay you don't want to talk about this in this way so we're just gonna we're gonna talk about your memories we're gonna talk about how life lessons um how you raise us so oh, yeah. in that sense like some people find it more helpful to just say okay i'm gonna die but i'm not gonna focus on that i'm just gonna focus on like okay what have what have i learned through life whereas um my other grandmother who's still alive um but she's getting up there in age all she thinks about and focuses on is her impending death and it, like the whole family is planning for it and it's like this big thing where that's all they're thinking about i'm like okay you're right you're gonna die but just focus on like enjoying your life exactly. I, so there's like a balance of like okay appreciate life but also under, understand and accept death and for me it, it's like a very balanced approach i don't want to contemplate death too much and i don't want to contemplate life too much because then when you cling to life it's over before you know yeah. it or, or when part, you i think part of that contemplation is the intent behind it meaning if all i do every day is think about my death is that helping me live my life or is it keeping me from living my life yeah. true yeah exactly yeah one needs hope in that equation yeah you know? and goals and stuff like that like a, a core purpose like a, a driving motivator to to build your life around yeah really yeah yeah, I find that yeah, it's it's fifty or fifty. You, some people think about death and they get depressed. Others get motivated. Like yeah. shit, I only got so much time here. Let's get shit done. I think you know? that's us. It, we're, yeah, it, it, we're in that. Yeah. It's funny you say that. It's funny you say that because the documentary we we're talking about, uh, I think prior to recording, bigger, stronger, faster, done mm -hmm. by my buddy Chris Bell. Mm -hmm. His brother, one of his brothers, died, uh, mm -hmm. died in sober living at a very young age, and. One of the quotes from the podcast I did with him is he said that his brother, Smelly, squeezed every ounce of motivation out of Mad Dog's death, became a millionaire because of it. I took all the drugs I could get. <laughs> like, you can go two different ways yeah. with death. It's not that death's not the problem. It's the, the use of it, the intent of it right? Yeah. that people have the challenge with. But because they don't even dwell dwell into that topic they don't know what to do it's like taking somebody who's never seen water and throwing them in a pool yeah 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 it's like uh cultural conditioning i mean at least you know we're talking from the perspective of modern america you know that's that's our uh cultural 
conditioning. Whereas I, I, I think in other cultures, like um, perhaps in South America, like the shamans in the rainforest, I think they're very in tune with death and going into ceremonies. And the Native Americans were very in tune with it. And more so like the ancient cultures. And this goes back to uh, what we were talking about, how modern luxuries, modern healthcare, you know, uh, our cars, our, our food, our endless supply of food, we just go to a store. We don't worry about going out for a hunt and following the herds. We don't worry about building a teepee and a fire to stay warm in the yeah. winter. You know, we just turn the, the heat on and get a blanket, go to sleep, wake up the next day, go to work, earn our yeah. income, and we're fine. So Absolutely. People, people are, are living a life on a credit card. Exactly, yeah. You consume, know, consume. That bill is coming due. <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. well you said. least expect it yeah 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 and we see even in um yeah especially in comparison to different cultures uh like not long ago i was scrolling through mindlessly going through facebook and i i'm in a couple like weird kind of like um like bone groups and stuff and i see someone who shared this video of um it, it's in a different culture different country and it's like these these people they unearth a tomb and they they crack crack it open with their crowbars and they exhume the body and it's all kind of rough and you know they they undo the the robes that are uh, encasing the corpse right and then they they remove the body and they put it into like new fabrics new new sheets yeah and then they put it back and they put it all back and and but in the comments people are losing their shit people are freaking out i can't believe they're doing that right, it's yeah. terrible these people should be arrested you know but but then i am um, i'm like well hold, everybody hold on what language are they speaking so i just quickly you know google translate and it's um it's like southeast asia and mm, i'm like right. oh hindus yeah second burial i'm like us in the western culture we are so blind to the rest of the world. And we, we're in this, this mindset where it's like the way we do it in America and the Western world is the way it needs to be done everywhere. Right. Yep. And so we, we completely go in the black with like other cultures and other societies and other ways of doing it. And we just want to whitewash everything, you know, and it's mm -hmm. like that's sad. I mean, Grant, okay, so this post was posted by some, like, music DJ, you know, just for hype. So he's exploring for, like, Facebook likes and stuff. Gotcha. Like, these guys out of, out of their mind. But, yeah, it's just, it, yeah, death there's cultures the, around the world are just fascinating. And I, yeah. I think there's another aspect to that that I don't know if anybody brought up in that post is if you were to, say, measure happiness and contentment in life, of the North American people yep. versus the people in Southeast Asia of that post. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bet that the people over there probably are much happier with their existence, yeah. which I believe is 100% in part to the fact that they have a greater appreciation for death okay. than we do here. How many people are really happy here? Yeah. Everybody's bitching and moaning about <laughs> yeah. everything. Right? I yeah, got the true. wrong milk in my coffee. Oh, yeah. I can't believe that guy cut me off. Yeah. I can't believe my boss is a dick. On, I can't believe my partner said this. On and on and on and on and on. Oh, yeah. You yeah. want that shit to stop real quick? <laughs> Kill somebody who's important to them. Yeah. Yeah. Perspective. 
Yeah, I, I find also it's a sense of entitlement that also like hurts a lot of people into thinking that way. They haven't been punched in the face. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think in in our society um it's it's a it's a paradox because America truly is like the melting pot. I mean, we have all these cultures coming in and blending and yet there's still one dominant hierarchy of culture that permeates America. And for the most part, um, you know, it's the standard cemetery where you, you bury the corpse, you forget about it. And, you know, people forget the graves even there most of the time. And that's it. And people don't want to face death. Whereas um, in other cultures, it's so like they have to hand bury it like yeah. they they don't pay anyone to bury it or <laughs> embalm it or get a tomb for it it's like up in the caves they have to, everyone carries the corpse up there that's dead and bloated yeah. so it's like a very hands-on so approach to death they their responsibility yeah they're always reminded and then also they don't have like we're talking about like the third world countries they don't have the, all the material distractions that we have they don't really have as much access to the internet or um you know pop culture hollywood all these different distractions movies cities they don't have that they're they're very in tune with nature what the basic survival instincts and uh death is right there all the time for them so they're they're not um what's the word naive to it at all mm. so and, th and that is something we could all use a much better, bigger dose of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So through your um, interactions with fans of your book, your podcast, are there any consistencies that you find from person to person in their stories and the way that they, they cope and, you know, recover from a loss? Well, there's there's there actually is one. And I was thinking about this earlier. It is the fact that, for the most part, nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about their own pending death, whether it's going to be tomorrow or 20 years from now. But more than that is those who are no longer here. Mm. You know, once, once someone's died, you know, people go through the motions of their service and doing a social media post, and then they get back on the hamster wheel. They go back to their life mm -hmm. acting like it hasn't happened they, they they push it aside and remove it from their consciousness in a way that as far as i'm concerned is disrespectful to the person who died and doesn't allow them an opportunity to evolve from the lessons that that life and death provide mm -hmm. they just don't talk about it there's one of the episodes of the podcast is about suicide and when you listen to how the family chose to quote unquote deal with it or more accurately not deal with it it's crazy but i think that happens more than not i think a lot of people once somebody dies they shed their tears they're hurt i'm not saying they're not but they don't live with it they mm. cast it aside and yeah. as far as the recovery and that sort of thing the, the, the concept of healing really comes up frequently it's how do you heal from this yep. and my response, and that's just my opinion, is you don't. Mm. And I say that because with Angela, she was taken. Something was taken from me. I have a hole. And no matter what I try to do, that hole cannot 
be filled. What can happen, though, is what remains, what's left of me may be able to become strong enough to carry on. Mm-hmm. It's like if I cut my hand off, no matter how much I want, that thing ain't growing back. I'm not healing from that. The rest of me has to become strong enough in order to continue on. So it goes back to what we were talking about earlier is that choices of words, especially associated with someone's death or the concept of mortality, I think are incredibly important because they set the tone for people in how they're going to manage that journey. Yeah, that's you articulated it like almost perfectly or indeed perfectly. Um, I've kind of felt the same way, like some wounds are so deep like the metaphor of cutting your hand off some things are so damaging to the core of you it feels like a, a piece of you is actually eternally gone and exactly. and yeah man i totally relate to that i i really do i feel that um i've i've actually said the same thing to myself multiple times because of different things i've gone through and i think that there's this whole attitude there of um, trying to, well, well, first of all, since we live in a materialistic society where it's nine to five, you know, everyone's in a rush to, to make money and survive and impress others. You know, I think the tendency is, you know, people feel the pain of the loss and unless it really hits them on a core level, uh, unless they're actually receptive to it on a core level, on a a spiritual or core level whatever you want to call it then it's just gonna kind of like hit them chip a piece off and they're they're gonna develop some coping mechanism maybe they're gonna up their dose of painkillers maybe they're gonna drink more maybe they're gonna do whatever some unhealthy coping mechanism because they're trying to numb this inner wound or uh, pain and they're just trying to distract themselves to to move on and and just stay in the present moment and focus on what they think they have to do instead of just dwelling on this pain and there's no blame in that it's just the natural human tendency when we feel pain we want to we want to mask it up but sometimes the pain is telling us like hey there's something wrong here you need to you need to heal this this pain um but that goes back to you know healing um like there's i've had wounds in me for a long time very very deep scars very deep wounds like pieces of me gone and i've always well for a long time i was obsessed with like how do i heal this how do i come to terms with it how do i um reach nirvana how do i do this and i was like obsessing over this perfection and healing that has to take place but i think the most powerful healing is when you actually just let go and you just accept as as painful and shitty as it might be sometimes or even most of the time you just accept the flow of life and you you just like you said really what's left of you you flow on with some sort of central purpose to build your life around um i i think that's been like the most powerful thing for me uh despite having gone through a a lot of pain which we all go through we all have our own suffering um the the one thing that's kept me going is okay 
this this happened, but what's my purpose? What what am I gonna carry on and bring to myself and bring to others? What what purpose do I have in this life? Because I could leave any moment. No one's holding me here. I could leave whenever I want. But, you know, if I have a purpose, if I have something to strive for in life, something that makes me want to live, want to be here, mm-hmm. then I'm here. Right, right. So, yep. Yeah, and I find um, especially like legacy, like personal legacy development is, uh, you know, pretty powerful stuff where you could really, like I find it where it's, like what how can you help others you know like personally you know like what where do you find the most joy in helping others because everyone needs help you know like you will never run out of work if you're trying to help others do something yeah you know and so it's like however going back to our our kind of overview of the first world society is most people want to know what they can do for themselves Hmm. what can the business do for them what can the government do for them very few people ask what that government or that business or themselves can do for others right it's just a completely different uh priority and perspective which those people are conveniently and and, and commonly the ones who never want to discuss this concept of death mm. yeah and I, I can't necessarily blame them themselves because that is the system in over hundreds and hundreds of years that we've evolved into. So for all the advances we've made in technology and science and just society in general, we fucked this one up real well. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely a balance. Um, you know, like you have the two polarities of like being self-serving and greed and and then you have the other side of it of being giving and just asking how do I live for others and I um, you know it is what it is both sides are the energies that they are you could either be greedy in a specific moment or be giving Um, but I found that I'm trying to just embody a balance of both because what I've found in my life is if I'm constantly giving to others, if I'm constantly focusing on, oh, this person has this problem, oh, I got to find them a solution, or this person has this problem, and then I'm like scatterbrained. I, I spread myself too thin. Where's me? Where, where's right. my needs? I'm like giving all this energy into things, and I'm not, I, I'm like losing myself. I, so and your, your balance is your balance. Yeah, exactly. Right. It, yeah, that's what it comes down to just personally, like through introspect, introspection, like what balance feels right for any person. So, you know, yeah. like for me, I take care of myself. Like I, I'm always trying to find time like, OK, this is what I need to do for me. And then, oh, OK, I feel good. I feel whole. Let me let me try to help someone else and pass this energy on. So mm-hmm. I think there's a, a flux. And yeah. Awesome. All right, Derek. Well, tell us where people can find you and if, website and all that good stuff. Uh, the book, the podcast, the website are all Tea Time with the Reaper. Uh, that includes Instagram and Facebook. Twitter is Tea Time underscore Reaper. But if you just use that incredibly new and, and hard to use website called Google, and type in Tea Time with the Reaper, you'll you'll find your way to where you need to be. Nice, nice. Do you have any more books or any other ideas coming up? Well, 
the uh, the producer of the podcast, Biff, uh, he and I are going to start discussing uh, season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, very similar format, but we want to try and get guests that are higher profile. Nice. Whether they be actors or athletes or, or people kind of in that that echelon of celebrity. Not that their stories are going to be different, but it'll get more people to listen, which will mean getting more people to talk about this topic. Right. Uh, and then uh, I've about halfway through a second book. It's going to be shorter, so it's going to be probably closer to a booklet than a book. Uh, trying to address some of the key factors of the aftermath that people who are still here should expect or may be faced with nice. after some of their dies. Yeah, yeah. Any uh, quick little secret tips that you have for us today? The only secret is have that fucking conversation. Mm. I don't care how you start it. You can use me. Hey, I heard a guy on a podcast and all he wants to do is talk about death. Start the conversation some way with the people who matter, whether it's grandparents or parents or siblings or partners, loved ones, friends, whatever. You can't talk about this too much. You can't. You will learn more about that person and what they want for their life and their death. Mm-hmm. Things become a lot clearer the more this becomes a topic that you're comfortable with. That's right. the secret. Yeah, about it. and absolutely. Once once your family member or a loved one is in the hospital bed or even the casket, it's too, too late. late. Too late. All right, Derek. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And Gentlemen, thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Till next time. You got it. Thank you for watching the Death Science Podcast. For updates and new episodes, subscribe right now. It's quick at deathscience.org. Remember that we all must die one day, so talk to your loved ones now about your post-life plans for your body. Learn more about creative and beneficial post-life plans at restinggrounds.org. I'm your host, Jeremy, signing off of another episode. Thank you, and memento mori.